0: Oh, hello there ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes show I of course am Mr. Warren Hayes and we are going to be talking about the week in professional wrestling right here on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes or on your favorite podcast application it all depends and thank you very much for listening whichever way you decide now if you want to show some support and help grow the the, the show there's a couple of ways you can do this very very simply first of all if you're on youtube.com Uh, slash Mr. Warren Hayes, of course. Like this video that you're watching right now. Subscribe to the channel if you feel like I deserve it, and that way you won't miss a single thing that I put out. Uh, You won't miss a single Mr. Warren Hayes show proper. You won't miss uh, any editions of Hot Shakes and Hand Dogs, which is my independent wrestling podcast that I do with my co-host Sean Taggart. You won't miss a single one. So that's another great way to show some support. And you can also leave a comment... And I love comments. I love chatting wrestling with people. I, I, honestly, I do. I do that all day if I could. So why don't you drop some comments in the comment section? Talk to me about Sasha Banks and Naomi. What do you think about that? Ric Flair making a return to wrestling. What do you think about that? Did you like anything on AEW Dynamite this week? Because it seems it was a bit of a contentious one. Drop a comment. Let me know. And if you if you're feeling up to it, you can leave a super thanks, which is like a, a a super chat, but for comments. And you know what? I will read your super thanks comments uh, and maybe open up some discussion with it on the show next week. And I'll be very much appreciative, of course, of your help, uh, your support. Thank you very much. And if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast app, look, that's even simpler. Leave a five-star review on Apple's iTunes, on Apple iTunes. Well, it does belong to Apple. But if leave a five-star review on Apple iTunes. Leave a five-star rating on Spotify. And that will also help everything grow. Help the Mr. Warren Hayes Show find new audience. Find new people. It's really easy. Super simple. Tiny little things that you can do to help the, sh- uh, the channel, the show grow. And I would be very appreciative if you could do that. And of course, you follow everything that we do at Bell to Bells. Your women's wrestling wire for women's wrestling. Belltobells.com, YouTube.com slash bell to bells. And don't forget as well, there's a Discord where the Mr. Warren Hayes show community congregates to talk about wrestling all throughout the week. Cool people, a great community. Link is in the description, of course. I think I've talked about everything that isn't related to, to wrestling. And tonight, of course, we're talking about Sasha Banks and Naomi walking out of Raw. We're gonna talk about uh and New Japan Pro Wrestling Capital Collision, which is the show that they had in DC last weekend. An update on the best of Super Juniors. We're on night. Uh, we're up to four nights. Four nights of uh, the tournament. So we got some stuff to talk about there. And AEW Dynamite. Johnny Elite. Maki Ito. A, a bit of a contentious Dynamite for some people. And I've got some thoughts on that. Let's well, let's stop talking about me having thoughts about things and get right to it. It's It's time for me to say something nice about Bill Goldberg. Robin nice, two nice things you say about Goldberg you know what Ricky Steamboat never turned down a Goldberg match before Robin two nice things to say about Goldberg. never wrestled him either but he never turned it down either oh I'm I'm feeling good I'm feeling fine let's get right to it the weekly wrestling inspection. Um. How about we start with some breaking news? I, I should get a theme song for the for the for the very short moments, or the very rare occasions where we have breaking news, like stuff that happens just before I get on the air and whatnot. You know, it's like. I should get like the, you know like a stinger that appears in the breaking news because we've got breaking news as I was getting ready for the podcast we had uh, the boys and girls over at Fightful Select reporting that Tessa Blanchard uh, revealing more details about Tessa Blanchard's Blanchard's departure from uh from women of wrestling I not planning on talking about this but anytime i have an occasion to sort of scratch that tessa blanchard drama itch i'm gonna do it in a new report from fightful select the uh we uh, we get more details on the previous report saying that blanchard was was on the outs with with wow uh in fact the uh the report notes that trouble had been brewing for quite some time dating as far back as January. Um, there are sources that are uh, telling Fightful that the issue might actually escalate to a courtroom where the report said multiple uh, multiple sources reached out to say that it was indicated to them that there could be legal recourse between the two sides and were concerned about possibly being involved in that. That's the quote from the Fightful Select report. Um, There's, of course, no official statement as to what's going on right now um, uh, regarding Tessa's affiliation. You know, apparently the tapings were postponed. This is, it sent the whole Women of Wrestling reboot into a bit of a, into a bit of a tizzy. And yeah, personally, I've never been like in a tizzy. I don't know what a tizzy looks like. I don't know how good or bad a tizzy is. Apparently, I th- it's bad because it's never used in a proper in a, in a positive context. But um, you know, coming over here, uh, you know, I would I would say you know you know I don't know if I, I've ever been in a tizzy, but you know I wouldn't want to be put in one because everyone keeps telling me you know tizzies aren't good. So just throwing that out there. <laughs> um so. Um, so there we go. So this is what we know for now. Uh, you know, these are the, the 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 broad stroke details. Of course, you know, like you know, I just don't want to. I don't want to. Um, you know, to to take away um, so early like anything that, that that Fightful Select does have to to provide at this point. But you know, the fact that there's some legal issues that are in, that might involve that this might escalate. What like is this, Tessa's cursed, but she, like, not in the sense, like, not in the sense that, oh, bad things always seem to happen to her, no, like, she's always at the center of this, she provokes these things, she makes these things happen, you know, people who end up not being able to work in promotions because of their, you know, that get fired, and they go to another place, and they get fired, it's usually, Maybe, maybe one place and what You know, you go wrestle in one place and you get fired. and Maybe, you know, that was incompatibility. Maybe it was their fault. You get fired from another place. You're like, well... Okay, this is a little strange, but all right. Third time, you know, then it, it becomes a pattern. And a pattern doesn't... And the pattern here is, you know, the constant in this pattern is Tessa Blanchard. This is not working out. And I have... Sell, I don't remember seeing who would be the last person to have wrestler, male, female, to have shown so much talent and to have been such a a legitimate crowd pleaser, right? And to have gotten themselves in the way of their success so hard. Right? Like, I don't remember. <clears throat> I don't, I'm trying hard to remember. Like, Warrior, maybe? Alberto Del Rio. That's, uh, okay. No. Eh, we're, nope, not Sasha. Because <laughs> <clears throat> Sasha has success. Continued success. But Warrior's definitely one. Alberto Del Rio's is a good call. I mean, at this point, uh, Tessa's damaged goods, right? Oh, we got some great suggestions. Yes, I'm sure. Jake Roberts in the '90s, yeah, he, you know, absolutely. He, but you know, his problems were also very uh, linked to uh, to addiction, alcohol abuse. You know that those can create. Those can create, um, those don't, you know, Tessa really just seems to be an attitude problem, right? Just doesn't play well with others kind of situation. Oh, well. Look, we're, you know, I'm going to, we're going to keep, we're going to keep thinking about this. We're going to keep moving on. But this is definitely, this is getting interesting. And frankly, I'm going to tell you guys. Straight off the bat, you know, out the gate, very, very, uh, frankly, I am much more inclined to, to get into the new season of, wow, if it ever happens at this point, but I'm really, really, I'm much more inclined at this point. I was very much turned off by the, the, the use and appearance of Tessa Blanchard in this thing, despite the fact that, you know, AJ Lee, AJ Mendez was involved now I feel like I have, uh, you know, free, free reign here. Let's do this. I'm good. I'm excited. I didn't know if you heard Sasha Banks and Naomi walked out raw this Monday. Perhaps you heard. <laughs> Perhaps. It's been, you know, it's, it's a little tid, tiny tidbit of news, but, uh, uh, let's read the, uh, let's read the article from, uh, PW Insider, who are the, uh, Mike Johnson, who was the first to report the news. This is how, this is how it came to our ears here. The main event for tonight's Monday Night Raw broadcast changed uh, at the last minute to Becky Lynch versus Asuka after two talents walked out late in the day as Raw went on the air in Norfolk, Virginia. The word making the rounds backstage at the taping is that Sasha Banks took issue with some of the plan created for the original main event, a raw six-pack challenge to determine Bianca Belair's next challenger at Hell in a Cell. Banks had a meeting with Vince McMahon and the belief among those we've heard from is that when McMahon didn't choose to change the direction of the plans, Banks went back down on her issues and made the decision to leave the taping. Naomi, her wwe women's tag team championship partner left with banks even though she was also booked in the main event match wwe quickly shot several new segments with adam pierce and becky lynch to instead set up oscar versus lynch as the new main event and at the time mike johnson said this is a de- this is a developing story so there may be additional updates and boy oh boy was he not wrong oh boy so um i'm gonna switch over to uh to the condensed version here over on uh the uh figure four online um fightful select later reported that naomi was originally scheduled to win the match the six-pack challenge was set to feature Banks, naomi do drop nikki ASH, Asuka, and Becky Lynch, which was advertised at the start of Raw. In a later segment backstage, Lynch told Adam Pearce that she shot that she saw Banks and Naomi leaving with their gear and tried to get herself named the number one contender. This is, of course, one of the skits that they shot. Pearce refused and instead turned the six-pack ta- challenge into a singles match between Lynch and Asuka, where the winner would face Raw women's champion Bianca Belair. Later during the show... And this went over really well, by the way, in the, you know, the, just rounds of uh, rousing applause from everyone, a, a well-received uh, uh, moment. Later during the show, announcer Corey Graves mentioned that Banks and Naomi had, quote unquote, unprofessionally left the arena. Banks and Naomi are the current WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. They successfully defended the t- titles on against Natalya and Shayna Baszler this, on this Friday's SmackDown. Now, since then, now, uh, actually, in the same night, later on, WWE themselves released a statement, I think, to the New York Post, if I'm not mistaken. Let's, Let's read it. Quote, when Sasha Banks and Naomi arrived at the arena this afternoon, they were informed of their participation in the main event of tonight's Monday Night Raw. During the broadcast, they walked into WWE head of talent relations John Laurinaitis's office, with their suitcases in hand, placed their tag team championship belts on his desk, and walked out. They claimed they weren't respected enough as tag team champions. And even though they had had eight hours to rehearse and construct their match, they claimed they were uncomfortable in the ring with two of their opponents, even though they'd had matches with those individuals in the past with no consequence. Monday Night Raw is a scripted live TV show whose characters are expected to perform the requirements of their contract. We regret. That we were unable to deliver as advertised tonight's main event. Oh, I'm gonna talk about this in a little bit, but I wanna give, I wanna make sure, like, for posterity's sake, we have the entire story, that we have as much context to where we're moving on here, okay? So, a little later on in the evening, uh, there is a Twitter user by the name of uh, uh, at adidas, uh, adidas, uh, adidas, adidas underscore head 88, who has tweeted about, um, Naomi slash Trinity Fatu in the past. He's considered to be a slash, uh, a, don't do the slash before saying something. He's considered to be a friend slash, you know, a member of the inner circle of, Trinity Fatu, the the Usos, like he's said things regarding uh, uh, um, uh, Naomi in the past that have been proven to be, um, if not true, suspiciously close to the truth. Right. So this he tweeted out a thread and I'm and, and I'm going to read this to you because it does provide some insight and you'll see in a second where I'm going with this. So this is from, uh, uh, why can't I pronounce the fucking shoe name? Adidas underscore head 88. You are approached in February as being put in a tag team after both being promised big feuds at WrestleMania. You bite the bullet and you put everything you got into being a tag team. It works. You get over, win the titles at WrestleMania and become merch pushers. Five weeks into your reign, you show up to live TV and ready to work. You are told you will be in the main event and you are happy. You are both told that one of you will be going over from pinning the other. You have questions, why that decision was made and how it helps y'all. You request a meeting with your boss to discuss it. Your boss takes the meeting and everything is actually going well. He understands your concerns. The meeting ends well, and the match is told to be reconstructed. For some reason, producers get mad about it. You then ask uh, with one of your members going over, what happens to your titles? You are told basically that you will that you will just be carrying the belts. They want to use both, they want to use you both to help both women's champions get more over. Bianca versus Naomi, Sasha versus Ronda. Neither one of you will win the solo titles, and you won't defend your tag titles until Money in the Bank. You ask for another meeting with your boss, but this time, you're being called spoiled. A producer walks away screaming. He comes back and tells both of you to fix your attitudes. Y'all have a brief meeting amongst yourselves and decide to stand up for yourselves. You go to another boss and make it clear you just have concerns. You ask, why are we even in the match and why aren't other women in it? You ask why your titles have no stories for two months. Again, you are met with fix your attitudes. So after one final meeting with yourselves and asking others, you make the ultimate decision as a team it's sad how one side is trying to create a fucked up narrative. The final tweet in the thread reads as follows. Also, it was asked why were Nikki Ash and Dude Drop in the match instead of their uh instead of uh, starting their program tonight. Na- not Naomi nor Sasha talked down about being in the ring with either one. I don't know how that got flipped. Now, this was all sort of, this was all sort of treated as some form of hearsay, but Pro Wrestling Insider, the very next day, uh, put together a report that essentially corroborated what this person here, Adidas Head, Adidas underscore Head 88, had talked about in this thread. So, there is a, there's a link, there's a direct correlation between the two here. So... As it stands right now, we've even learned that Naomi's contract is is up soon, right? So, you know, there's a will she be resigning? Will there be renegotiations? I don't know. But we don't know about the Sasha Banks thing and so on and so on. Now, uh, I'm glad everyone is everyone is very passionate about this, about this topic, and and with reason, right? Because, you know, because because Sasha Banks, because Sasha Banks is is one of the biggest stars in the company she's she's an absolute proven draw you know earlier on JK Schwall dropped the super chat and he says I'm here for your 23 pin victory lap um and I know what he's talking about a couple of months ago I dropped a just before Wrestlemania right I I I, I dropped a you know a segment uh you know, I had a rant here on the channel just completely baffled at the fact that Sasha Banks was being thrown in a nothing tag team match at WrestleMania when she's fucking Sasha Banks. She is the woman who, when she made her return to WWE on Monday Night Raw, that segment outdrew anything that uh, Ronda Rousey had been doing up until that point. I mean, the facts are there. And I, you know, and, and, you know, I've been giggling, having a lot of fun at the idea that I've become a Sasha Stan. Ha ha, ha you know, it's like, hey, Sasha Stan army, you know, like, stick by me and trust me. You much prefer to have the Sasha Stan army on your side than the opposite. You know, I've been I've been having a little, poking a little fun at myself, you know, memeing a little bit. But it's not even a question of being a Stan. It's like there is observable, observable evidence to show that people will tune in to your goddamn sports entertainment show when Sasha Banks is on it. And it baffled me back then that they didn't know what to do with her, that the best that they could figure out was to put her in a tag team to have her go after the titles in a fucking, what was it? Was a four-way match at WrestleMania? Like one of the things, like one of the death knells. For any wrestler where it's like we don't have anything for you we're just gonna oh but we're gonna get you the wrestlemania payday here you go you know there's you know four-way tag team matches and the fucking andre the giant battle royal thing which isn't even on wrestlemania anymore right i digress sasha banks i was telling you guys back then she is not long for wwe i (laughs) i don't want to sit here and say i told you so but i told you so She's not long for WWE. She is bigger than WWE. People are going as Sasha's going Hollywood. Sasha's been going Hollywood for a while. She's in The Mandalorian. She's doing Marvel red carpet deals. She's she's on she's on fucking things with fucking Kevin Hart. That that you know that YouTube show that he has where they sit in fucking vats of ice cold water. And Kevin Hart, Kevin fucking Hart himself is sitting there in his tub of water and he's telling Sasha Banks yeah you're great in WWE and all but you know you're gonna you're big you'll be bigger than that he literally tells her that she's on she she gets a spot on the Mandalorian the Mandalorian on Disney plus in the Star Wars franchise WWE barely makes a peep out of it why? Because she's getting these opportunities herself. Why? Because she's Sasha Banks, and there's no other reason to deliver unto you. Because she is a fantastic wrestler. She has she has charisma up the ass. She- people love her. They whether she's a heel or a babyface. And I wouldn't even argue. I wouldn't even argue. People like her better as a heel than a babyface. They'll still cheer for her. Sasha Banks is special. Sasha Banks is money. Sasha Banks is ratings. We get people. We get these stupid ass arguments on the internet where it's like, "Uh oh, huh, can do we uh, attract the casual fans with someone like Sasha Banks, who is a bona fide star, not a manufactured star like you're gonna try and make with Roman Reigns at this point?" God bless Roman Reigns. He deserves to go off to Hollywood, and do anything. Then. Put his body through what he's been going through for the past few years. He's he's ready for it. But he's not half the actor or has half the presence that Sasha Banks does. She is their mainstream crossover star. She is their current John Cena. But they don't want her. She wasn't picked. Vince didn't say, we're anointing you. She's doing this rogue. She's essentially doing the Matt Cardona internet title thing. But like on a larger scale where she's getting herself quote unquote over to use wrestling parlance since it's a wrestling show we're on she's getting herself over with a more mainstream crowd as opposed to sticking to her guns and doing what Vince wants her to do this is the thing this is the biggest deal I don't I can't even begin to tell you how huge this shit is that Sasha walks out and and I don't care if you like Sasha Banks or not. You have to respect someone who turns around and says, I know my worth. I know my value. And I do not need this. Few months ago, she's on the uh, she's on the Stone Cold podcast. She's been dropping hints. When you start to think about it, when you start looking around the environment, you're like, you know what? Sasha's been warning us. She's been telling us this is going to happen. She's on the Stone Cold podcast, on the WWE Network, on the, you know the award-winning Peacock. And she's telling Stone Cold, and I'm paraphrasing here, you know, there was a time I used to say, thank you for the hot dog, thank you for the, the slice of pizza, thank you for my time in the ring, thank you for my time on TV, but I'm not at that place anymore, now it's like, put me on TV, right? On the the interview that she gave, what was it, the athletic, or the no, it was the Atlantic, uh, part of the which was part of the rant I had a couple of months ago, right? But it's before WrestleMania. She's she's saying that I want my face on the posters. Why can't you, why wouldn't you not get behind someone who has ambition? Someone who is legitimately betting on herself. Someone who, who is bucking any trend that her current employer is setting for her. Is telling her, no, you have to go down this route. And she's like, no, I'm better than this. I know I'm better than this. I can do better than this. Why would you not stand for that? Why would your best argument then, why would then you start complaining and saying, oh, Sasha Banks, she's such a spoiled little brat, blah, blah, blah. You know, all she does is complain, plain, plain, first of all. And if anyone listening right now has that type of argument, you're about to get deconstructed. First of all, there is a very fair chance that your favorite professional wrestler has griped and moaned and complained to the booker about an issue, about something, about his or her position in the company. It's happened, it's inevitable. The greats have done it. Rick Flair has done it. It's been well documented. Stone Cold Steve Austin has done it. It's been well documented. Bret Hart has done it. It's been well documented. Shawn Michaels, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall. They've all done it. Triple H, Randy Orton. They've all bitched and moaned to management about shit at some point. Because you know what? Re- here's the here's the the, the the plain simple truth. Wrestling is a business that revolves around the squeaky gears. If you stay in your hole and you say, I'm just happy to be here, you're gonna be at I'm just happy to be here character for the rest of your life. That's what you're gonna be relegated to whatever role. I'm gonna, oh, well, I'm just happy to be here. They'll walk all over you, they'll do whatever you want. And you know, whatever your career turns out to be, it'll turn out like that. But if you want to be a star, if you want to get up on the card, if you want to make more money, if you want to become an asset for your company, you have to complain. All of your favorite wrestlers have complained at some point. They honestly have. And there's nothing, that's part of the game. That's the first thing. The second thing. No, oh, she complains oh shes she's done it before she's done it before wouldn't that hmm so if she's complained to management in the past and she's still complaining to Dave does that mean that does that mean that uh, does that mean that her complaints weren't answered that first time around or maybe the second time she's done it and now she's doing it a third time because you know what nothing's changing so I'm hitting the bricks. And that's entirely, entirely okay. And she's not an employee. She's an independent contractor. She can hit the bricks whenever she, right? She's not a, she's not staff. She's not a member of WWE Corp. She's an independent contractor, right? So she should be able to walk out anytime. Doesn't matter. I know, I know the contracts are ironclad and it's a whole other thing. I know, I'm being facetious here. The point here is that I can't even I can't even listen to anyone backsassing this, saying she's wrong to do this. Oh, whatever. Because at some point, and I think she even said this on the Stone Cold podcast. At some point, you're done being just happy to be here, doing the dream job. At some point, it is a job and it is your career. And you have to keep growing your career. So at some point, it's no longer thank you, thank you for the hot dog and the pizza, slice of pizza. Now more, now it's more like I need more airtime. I need better stories. I need to be in the main event. I need to be making movies. Uh, yeah, Disney Studios has me in their uh, has me in their eyes. Jon Favreau plucked me off. Of a YouTube show that I did. Where I was sitting around. Just stuffing my face with fucking hot wings. And he saw I was special. How come you don't see how special I am? Vince. Bruce. John. They don't respect. And if they don't respect you. You hit the bricks. If they don't respect you. You hit the bricks. And you know what Naomi. Naomi is in a great position to do this because look, she's got, she's got Sasha Banks. She's backed up by by Sasha, right? That's who she's got on her back. It's not, it's not fucking, you know, Riddick Moss watching her back. It's not like, you know, you know, the the fucking Angel Garza. Sasha Banks. And that took, took balls for Naomi to do that as well. Doing it as a team. That's, Commendable. Respect. And especially if Naomi's contract is coming up in a couple of months. It's like, yeah, fuck you. You've been misusing me for years. You've been telling, oh, maybe we'll put you in the bloodline. Oh, maybe not. Oh, we'll just put you in a tag team. Oh, no, no, no. I am... Co- what are they going to do? What are they going to do if Sasha Banks leaves? Who's the next? Na- Lacey Evans? Is... Lacey Evans, is, that the, is, is is this the one we're going to lean into? Ronda? Ronda's nothing. She's not, she didn't generate buys to WrestleMania. WrestleMania, I'm underperformed to what WWE wanted. You can bet on it. They did not. They did not rent out a 100,000-seat stadium to have it filled up to just shy of 80,000 both nights. No sorry. They wanted to fill that puppy up. They wanted to fill it up to capacity to the point where they, have to, where they were like, well, we're going to have to move some structures around. We're going to have to redo the set because we want to open up more seats because we're sold out. They wanted 100K a night, not 79, 78,000 people a night. Trust me. It's not Rhonda who's bringing anyone in. And then here's the thing from the report you're Sasha Banks keep this in the in, in right in your brain you are Sasha fucking Banks you've got this part-timer weirdo Ronda Rousey who couldn't draw a dime if she wanted to who comes in Everyone starts treating her like a big deal while you, in, this, in your heart of hearts, you know you're the big deal. The fans know you're the big deal. You're homegrown. You're part, of the, you're part of the WWE system for years. You're part of the women's revolution. You're part of the match that redefined women's wrestling in North America and you're being told, look, we don't have anything for you for WrestleMania, and and, and we're, we're, you know, we're not going to put any stock and any value into your tag team titles, which we know you we know you really love the tag team titles because you fought for them with your pal, what's her name? Borley Bla- Bailey, yeah, your, your, your pal Bailey. We know you fought tooth and nail to get these titles, so we know they kind of mean something to you, but over the next two months, we're not gonna do anything with them, and actually, we're not gonna really use them, and we're gonna use you To put over Ronda Rousey at the next pay-per-view. Of course, you hit the bricks. I am not jobbing out to Ronda Rousey again. If anything, Ronda owes me. I'm not putting over Ronda Rousey. Hell no. I did it once. She's not doing it again. Why? Because I'm a draw, Vince. I'm I'm a draw. I'm the person who does literally put butts in seats, gets the linear eyeballs on your television stations. That's what I do. Now, back to the w, the, the statement that WWE put out. And this is where a lot of people started going, uh, it's, a work. it's a work, it's a work. And it's okay. Look, you know what? Fair enough, right? Let me take a sip of water here. <laughs> I'm a little parched fair enough here and you got you know that our, our our wrestling radar sort of perks up where you're like oh this is a little weird it's a little unconventional WWE doesn't usually put out statements you know in regards to their talent leaving this is a little a little strange a little bizarre kind of thing and you're like oh, cool 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 Um, uh, this could be a work but it's not it's not a work if it's a work it is a highly adept one but I, it's not a work they put out this, they put out this statement, and I'm convinced this is what it is, because it is Sasha Banks. If Naomi had walked out alone, they wouldn't have said a goddamn thing. They wouldn't have said a thing. But this is Sasha Banks, who legitimately has contacts in the business. Not the wrestling business, the entertainment business, right? She legitimately has contacts. She could turn to anyone, end up on someone's podcast, not the Mr. Warren Hachel, like I'm talking about, like an You know, an S-tier podcast as opposed to a D-list podcaster like myself. Goes on one of these and spills the beans. This statement was WWE getting ahead of a story that they know they fucked up on. And they just want to get the first jab out. They want to get their story out there first because in the world of PR, that's how it works. Whoever gets control of the story, whoever comes after will have to fight against that. So they're in a position of power by doing this right here. This was called, this was absolutely called by, uh, this was absolutely called by someone somewhere in W, Vince, Johnny Ace, who cares? During the show, we got to put this out by the end of the program. We got to send this out to the media. And you can tell in the tone that they use and the words that they use. Absolutely 100%. Whoever wrote this is fed up of Sasha Banks. They don't like her. They're they're fed up and they want to create it in a moment of character assassination. They named them both, Sasha Banks and Naomi, named them both, and then proceeded to say, well, you know, during the broadcast, they went to talent relations... Uh, head of Talent Relations, John Laurinaitis, with their suitcases and dropped their titles and left. Oh, whoa. Well, well, how unprecedented. How how gauche of them. You know, they claimed they weren't respected enough as tag team champions. Well, oh, my God. You know, even and they had eight hours to construct their match. And they came at the last minute to do this? You see what they're doing? Do you see what they're doing? And then on top of that, they're saying that they were, they said they were uncomfortable in the statement, right? They they claim that Sasha and Naomi said that they were uncomfortable in the ring with their two opponents, who are heavily rumored to be Naomi and Nikki Ash, right? Which, of course, makes no sense because they have all wrestled each other in the past. And this is character assassination. This is this is high school. This is middle school bullshit drama. Well, I heard. I heard that Jessica really doesn't like you. Really? Yeah. Yeah. She thinks you walk funny. Okay. You see what this does? It just sets these seeds to create the impression, the worst impression... That you can give any wrestler when they live leave a company. What is the absolute worst thing that you could say about a wrestler when they leave a company? They're hard to work with. They're difficult to work with. That's that's the killing jab for wrestling fans. It was like, oh, they're difficult to work with. So as I was saying earlier, you remember when I was talking about how your favorites have all complained about something, about their booking at some point, right? Well, here's something else. At some point, all of your favorites have been difficult to work with. Do you know why? Because there's fucking hundreds of people in the wrestling business and not everyone gets along. And you are going to work with people who are gonna rub you the wrong way, might just be because of actual things that happen or just because you don't get along. Because chemistry-wise, it just doesn't connect, right? There are people, there are people like that. There will always be someone who is hard to work with with someone else, unequivocally. And this is what they're doing here in this statement. This is what they're doing in this statement. Getting ahead of it, character assassination they're going after they're going after the jugular because sasha banks has contacts in the business because she is doing these gigs with kevin hart and on star wars without wwe's help the 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 promo introduction she did with some college football stuff which i don't know about because i don't watch college football all of this shit she's been getting without WWE, without them getting involved, because otherwise you can be damn sure that WWE would be would be pimping the hell out of it. They'd be promoting the hell. Why wasn't Sasha Banks' role on The Mandalorian a thing in WWE? Why? Because they chose not to. Because they're bitter fucks. That's why. And you can tell how bitter they are because of the statement they put out. they had eight hours to construct their match sure pal eight hours to construct your match right up until vince starts tearing up the scripts five minutes before going on air yeah yeah we we know how this shit goes And, and note the tone. Monday Night Raw is a scripted live TV show whose characters are expected to perform the requirements of their contract. This is like the most backhanded, you know what? We have legal recourse. Comment I. I you could find in this. And then of course, like the the, the most laughable line in this entire thing. We regret... We were unable to deliver, as advertised, tonight's main event. How many, how many, do you know how many times you should put out a statement for that? That you were unable to deliver, as advertised, tonight's main event? Fuck me. I don't have to pick sides. There's no reason to pick sides. But I'm pro Sasha Banks. I'm pro anyone who stands up for themselves. I'm pro, especially at the level where she is, the value that she provides to that company. It's ridiculous. Now, what's her next move? Oh, by the way, <clears throat> I want to say hello to. Kristen Ashley, the first lady of the Mr. Warren Hayes show. Yeah. Hello, darling, and welcome. And I also want to say hello to Safet aka Sejo Saho BXNYC. Safet, nice to see you and welcome for the welcome to the uh, to the Mr. Warren Hayes show. Um here's the here's a kicker though. What does she do next? What is next for Sasha Banks moving forward? Because that's the that that's the that's the crux of, of what we want to talk about here. Sasha Banks and and my 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 pal um Jeff Hawkins, I'll call him my pal. Jeff Hawkins uh, over at uh Shake the Ropes podcast and so on. Uh former fi- Fightful alum, as I uh tweeted out, Sasha is the only four horse woman that is a game changer. She is the only one. She's a true deformed game changer. If she shows up on AEW Dynamite, as she is draining, uh, they will not go under a million uh, total viewers for months, as long as she's on TV on a regular basis. Sasha is a, is a legitimate game changer. And WWE knows this. They're not going to let her slink out of her contract? She they're not going to let her go off and do whatever. She's uh she's too much of a commodity. They know this. Best case scenario, they let the contract run out. But quite frankly, quite frankly, I don't think she goes anywhere wrestling were related. I think she once she's done with WWE, she she goes and you know if she, let's say right now she's dipping her toes in in the water of pro wrestling uh, of uh, of hollywood excuse me if she's dipping her toe in, in in the waters of hollywood right now if she leaves wwe it's to jump right in it's the cannonball in it's to just like recklessly without knowing the depth of the pool diving in head first that's what she's doing i don't think she goes to aew i think she goes to aew if a couple of years down the line, she uh, she realizes that uh, you know her res- her her post WWE career isn't exactly going her way. What does she do Well, she cycles back to where she knows she's a star, where she can get paid and be recognized as a, 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 a as a top female, the wrestling biz? Maybe then she calls Tony Khan and says, "Tony, well, let's talk." But as it stands right now. I really don't think she, I don't think she, I don't think she goes back to wrestling as much as I'd like her, (laughs) as much as I'd like her to go to AEW and force Tony Khan's hand to hire her and put her on TV regularly and have more force to force AEW to put on more than one women's match per show. Because I think that would be an inevitability. Um, I think that would be really cool. As much as I'd like her to go to Japan for a tour. Because she's trained with Meiko Satomura, right? And I've said this before. I'm on record and I'll say it again. Sasha's the most talented of the four horsewomen, wrestling-wise. She's She's a fantastic wrestler. And the way she's produced in WWE does not allow her to shine like she could let's go to japan let's go hang around tjpw stardom i don't know but you know freelance freelance where it is freelanceable ice ribbon tgpw Tokyo Pro, right let's go around there let's freelance that a bit get some joshi in there show us show us those kicks I'd be down for it. Naomi's position is a little trickier. I think Naomi could wrestle anywhere she wants. I really do. And I think she could. There could be a case made for her going to AEW. I think she could go about it another way. You know, maybe hitting the Indies a little bit. You know, doing a, a bit of a Matt Cardona thing. You know, where you come down from the Fed, you hit the Indies... You build some cred like that, and you know you you reignite your star. You 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 make it shinier. I think that's a different way of approaching it, because she's not as big a star as Sasha. I think you know if she did join AEW, there would be a big a bit of a <gasps> awesome you know kind of thing. But I you know depending on how she's booked, of course, I feel it would wear off a little bit. I mean, look, you know, and I want to say hello to Alonzo Smith. Nice to see you, Alonzo, and welcome. And, you know, it brings a, an interesting point here in the chat, you know, as, as to, because this is something I did see. I wish, you know, Naomi and Sasha could have gone about this a whole different way, right? Look, we can't be as short-sighted to say, oh, well, they just didn't want to do, uh, they just didn't want to do the storyline. That's why they hit the bricks, right? That's short-sighted. I don't think that's, that's a fair, I don't think that's a fair assessment, I really don't if it came to the point where they have exploded where they felt the only recourse they had was to pick up and leave I would assume and I think it is fair to say that and and there's even been a few reports a few rumors floating around that this is not the first discussion that they've had about problems that they've had Sasha's been having you know multiple or at least a few issues with her contracts and so forth So, I think this is a reaction. It's it's an unreasonable reaction, perhaps, but it is the only way, sometimes an unreasonable reaction is the only way to react to an unreasonable situation that you are put into. So, I have no issue with them going, you know what, I've had enough and and I'm walking out. And I will point out that there wasn't this uproar and this, well, I wish you had done something else when it came to Tony Storm, who did essentially the same thing it's like, you know what? I'm out of here. Or Jeff Hardy. These people were like, yeah, good job, good job, good job. For some reason, and we're not diving into this on, on a middle-aged white man's podcast because it's not my place to say, but I have some theories. Um, For some reason, Sasha pulling this is... Mm, bad move, you know. You should have checked your attitude. You know, you you're acting spoiled here whereas when people pick up and pick up and leave, oh they they're heralded as somewhat heroes to a degree. Did we say this was going to be a 23 minute victory lap? <laughs> Essentially the first 3 quarter hours of the show. <laughs> And I am sweating. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Lots of new faces here tonight. Consider subscribing to the show if you're having a good time, because um, I'm having a good time. I'm glad you guys are here, guys, gals, non-binary pals. It's always a good time. You know what I did this week? I, I, I you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I've been upfront with it. You know, I don't watch WWE program as much as I used to. Um, multiple reasons. I'm not going to get into them. Now, I've talked about it in past uh, podcasts. Um, But I don't watch as much. But I did tune in to watch the Bobby Lashley-Omas cage match. Because they had hyped that from last week, right? And I saw the WrestleMania match. I thought it stunk. I saw the WrestleMania backlash match. I thought it stunk. And, And so I'm like, oh, well. And it started off the show. It was like, you know starting off eight uh, 8 pm well it didn't start off the show we got a, a 10 minute MVP promo let's be honest it didn't start the show but it was in the first like half hour this is oh, I'll watch it I'll watch it and it stung and the finish stung but the thing now is that here's the thing. Folks, I'm invested in this now for some bizarre reason, and I can't tell you why. I think it's just because since I've started, I've got to finish it. You know, it's one of those things. It's 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 really one of those things where when you start something, you're like, I just can't leave this here. I got to I got to go through. I got to I got to go through the end. It's like when you're playing Civilization Three. Has anyone here in the chat played Civ Three? Civ Three was the worst for that. It's like four in the fucking morning. I've been playing since eight p.m. And I'm like, oh, just one more turn. Oh, just one more turn. And then you're like, man, I cannot, you know, I'm this close to, you know, getting a cultural victory. I can't. I got to do that, you know, kind of thing. This is same. I, I I have to, like, I have to see it through now. I feel like, I feel like I'm part of the, I'm part of the package deal. And I mean, everything stinks. Everything about this stinks. Omas stinks. Bobby But look. Bobby Lashley MVP. They shine by their own devices, right? But Omos stinks in his current presentation. He's not a good wrestler, and the matches are uh, the matches are terrible. <laughs> the matches are bad. But yet here I am. I'm gonna push through. So whatever they do with Bobby Lash, I'm keeping an eye out on Raw. Whatever they do with Bobby Lashley and Omos at this point, Warren Hayes is invested. And you're going to get a full recap of what's happening moving forward in the compelling, thrilling, action-packed dynamo, which is the feud of Robert Lashley and Omas. So, Ric Flair, it's been announced. He's, well, it was rumored, and then he started putting that he was training to return to the ring, right? Training to return to the ring. Then we have video of him training with Jay Lethal, taking bumps, right? And then it's announced at uh, at the uh, at star at the next Starcast. There, there, we're, we're, Starcast is coming back. Uh, uh, July twenty nine to July thirty first, twenty twenty two. Starcast Cinco. R- R- Ric Flair is going to be having his final match on uh, at the Starcast event on Nashville. So uh so his his opponent like there's been a slew of rumors so far his opponents and possible teammates and I'm reading this off of the figure four online uh his opponents and possible teammates for the match have not been officially confirmed according to Meltzer Flair could potentially have teamed with FTR against the Rock and Roll Express and a mystery partner Uh, but that that broke down um, the uh, conventional wisdom here is that um, um, uh, Tony Khan uh, put the kibosh on that and he's like no, no way you, you guys I'm not sending any of my people anywhere near this thing I thank you very much for the huge super chat by Brickbat nice to see you and thank you very much keep up the Warren takes salute I appreciate you man thank you so much very generous super chat appreciate it man thank you for being here man or woman person friend chum <laughs> um back to rick flair the other match that had been rumored was well i think he had actually out loud said i want ricky steamboat <laughs> i want ricky steamboat so ricky steamboat was like he's 69 years old nice but he is legitimately 69 years old so i'm like why the hell would ricky steamboat wanted like steamboat is fine with his legacy right it's like When Ric Flair's like a one, but Steve Steamboat came out and said, no, I'm not doing it. I'm good. Cool. So, he has a match. We don't have an opponent yet. We'll see how that goes. But then they keep adding on to the StarCast event. We're doing a four horsemen reunion on the card. And not just, uh, and, and we're not, I think on the poster, I saw Rick, I saw Tully, I saw Arn. Didn't see Oli. I saw Barry Windham, I saw Lex, didn't see Jeff Jarrett, didn't see Paul Roma, didn't see, uh, well, you know, poor Mongo. By the way, uh, uh, positive vibes to uh, the uh, Steve McMichael, Mongo McMichaels family, Um, uh, you know, hoping for the best, hope everything, I mean, you know, all we can do is send prayers for those who can, Uh, you know, best thoughts over to the McMichaels family. So Mongo, obviously, is not going to be there. But, uh, you know, it's like, who's going to... So they're doing the Four Hostmen reunion, right? Then, they're going to do the roast of Ric Flair. Which, to be fair, was something that they had planned to do at the StarCast on the pandemic hit. But now they're doing it here. Which they're going to sell on a paper as a pay-per-view on Fight. Might as well call this StarCast the FlairCast. But, look, don't... And, and, and Ric Flair went on, I don't know, whatever outlet... Let him let him speak. I don't know, and he said, "You know, I'm not doing this for the money." Oh, I'm sorry. Give me a second here. Uh, Um, he's not doing it for the money, you know, so on and so forth. Of course, Ric Flair is a guy who lives and breathes the wrestling business, and you know, accolades records you know trophies whatever you know titles number of titles all the history of wrestling is meaningful to him he worked very hard to get a legacy for himself he really did and you know whether he did it nicely or not that's up for debate but it's undeniable that Ric Flair has a huge imprint on the business and I think he wants to you know he's looking at Sting Who's got his second win over in AEW and, you know, going, you know, wrapping up his career with a bang. You know, he's seeing a lot of, you know, the older guys, some of his guys from, you know, from when, you know, when he was, uh, uh, guys he was competing with were going out on their own terms. And I think that's ultimately what he wants. So, you know, I made a little joke regarding the money thing, but I'm sure the money thing has something to to do with it because isn't he divorcing? Isn't his wife leaving him? His wife, that he wasn't really his wife, isn't... eh. So, you know, like, and he's paying, you know, out the ass. And he's been broke before. He Whatever, you know, it's like, it's Ric Flair. So, on one hand, I'm convinced there's the money. But I think that more importantly, for him, specifically, I think he's doing this for his legacy. I think he's doing this because he wants to go out, you know... Alistair on his terms, not have someone tell him you can or cannot do this. But honestly, this is a guy who a couple of years ago was literally on death's door. And, you know, I have fond memories of great Ric Flair matches, and I'm not sure I want to see, what, 71-year-old, 73-year-old Ric Flair banged up and just just like age man nature, nature took over his body and it nothing wrong with it, that's just the way of things I don't necessarily want this and frankly I don't necessarily want him to to die in the ring that's not something I want to see not saying he will but you know let's not tempt fate kind of thing I'm not excited like I'm okay, you know, the roasts and the reunions and so on and so forth, but a final match? I mean, there's a there's so many ways you can do it, right? He doesn't have to bump for a second. It feels so strange to me. And as, you know, I also feel it's his legacy to burn if he wants to. It's all up to him. Let's talk about... New Japan Pro Wrestling, if you don't mind, before we move on to Dynamite. Do you want want me to talk about uh, Dynamite? We'll talk about Dynamite in a minute. Spoiler alert, I didn't think Dynamite was a bad show. I know a lot of, there's a lot of people that really didn't like the show last night. Too too much good in-ring work last night for me to poo-poo this show about it more in a second not a second a couple of minutes because i want to start talking about new japan uh capital collision that occurred this saturday uh, in washington dc uh we had all of the heavyweights of new japan uh hanging out here well here in north america but more specifically in the united states which is the country to the south from where i live uh and um uh, because right now the the junior heavyweights are all uh, in the Best of Super Juniors, which I also am going to talk about right after we're done with Capital Collision. Um, I thought this was, it was a, it was a decent New Japan show. I enjoyed it overall. Uh, I think like, you know, there's nothing here that resonated, and maybe outside of one match. There's nothing that resonated that was like, okay, this is, it was fine. Everything that happened here was fine. To really good to great. I don't know if that makes sense. But it wasn't a bad show by any stretch of the imagination. Started off with Carl Fredericks defeating Ren Narita in a hot, fucking hot opener. What a great, what a great opening match by these two guys. Of course, Carl Carl Fredericks. Recent graduate from the LA Dojo of the New Japan uh, Young Lions program. And Ren Narita still in there, but holy shit, what a match they had. Just a fantastic stuff. Um, just just really really fantastic stuff which ended up having the factory like QT Marshall and his boys come out to go after Carl Fredericks which actually led into an angle uh, at the Philadelphia show they were doing uh, the next down Sunday and then it bled into uh, AEW Dark so you know uh, some some back and forth here right uh, that, that was kind of fun but this was really really good strong stuff Ren Rita is going to be a massive superstar. And he is morphing more and more into Kisiyura Shibata with every day that passes. Just great stuff. Uh, Then we focused on some of the talent from the New Japan Strong shows of the uh, New Japan of America division. Uh, Team Filthy uh, made up of Danny Limelight, Danny Limelight, Jarrell Nelson, J.R. Kratos Royce, Isaacs, and Tom Lawler. They defeated the Team of David Finley, Fred Rossetangaloa, who was replacing Chris Dickinson on the card. The DKC and Yuya Umera. This was a a standardly structured New Japan preliminary multi-man match where everyone sort of gets their spots in. Uh, I thought it went a little too long and went like nearly 15 minutes. You could have easily shaved off 10 minutes, not 10 minutes, 10 minutes... It would have been a bit of a challenge to shave off 10 minutes, but I would have shaved off at least five because the idea really here was to establish, just get everyone their spots in and to establish, to continue to establish the feud between uh, Fred Rosser and Tom Lawler, which is centered around the strong openweight title. It was all right. Like, you know, it was fine. Chase Owens defeated the Great O'Con. Good little back and forth match that they had here. Great O'Con was the top favorite with the crowd. Everyone in that building was excited to see the Great O'Conn wrestle. The guy's going to be a star, a major star for this company because he's already getting huge reactions from the American crowd who are excited to see him. Excited to see the guy. Match comes to an end when the Great O'Conn goes for the Iron Claw Slam, but uh, Chase Owen uh, rev- um, avoids, rolls him up uh, for the pin, uses the ropes for leverage gets the three a lot of people were shocked They're like chase owens defeating the great okan well right now they're embroiled in a feud for the iwgp tag titles chase owens and bad luck Fowley stole the belts when i say stole won the belts off of great O'Connor and jeff cobb so there's an ongoing feud here it's fine we had another multi-man match where the uh, team of Bad Dude Tito, which is cool. I'm, we're starting to see more of Bad Dude Tito out there, which is pretty cool. And uh, and the um, alliance of TMDK, the Mighty Don't Kneel, Jonah, Mikey Nichols, and Shane Hayes, the former Slapjack. <laughs> they, he'll never live that down. He never will be. They defeated the uh, United Empire team of Aaron Hanare, Jeff Cobb, Kyle Fletcher, and Mark Davis. Fletcher and Davis, also known as Aussie Open, uh, good little match. But again, it's one of these, it's one of these New Japan multi-man matches that you know stuff happens. Uh, everyone the the match essentially was built to get us to the Jonah Jeff Cobb face down. You know the two two huge, athletic, enormous dudes. Strikes and headbutts between them both. Lariats. Um, Neither man goes down. Dropkick by Cobb. Spear by Jonah. But it's uh, TMDK who hit an elevated slam for the win. Not on Jonah. I can't remember on who. But uh, yeah. Just fine match again. You know, good pace. Good work. Everyone works hard in these matches. Don't get me wrong. It's just, you know, prelim matches. It's fine. Then we start getting into the nitty-gritty here. Minoru Suzuki took on uh, Brody King, who actually defeated the King of Pro Wrestling, as he is known, Kazen Inare. Um, You know what this was actually? and We talk about this, uh, Sean and I, on uh, Hot Shakes and uh, Hand Dogs, which is our independent wrestling podcast, which you should listen to if you subscribe to the Mr. Warren Hayes channel. You'll never miss it. Um, Minoru Suzuki, Suzuki, right, has a formula for his matches in North America. He, he, and, you know, he, you know, he spent, he's been spending months here in North America, in the United States specifically, going around just defeating, defeating guys everywhere on the indies, everyone from, you know, Kevin Blackwood to, uh, did he beat Biff? No, he did, He he lost to uh, to Chris Dickinson. But, you know, like, he's going through everyone. But his matches always carry the same formula. You can see it coming. You're like, you know, Daniel Garcia. And it's... The matches follow a pattern. And this was a, a Suzuki pattern match here. Uh, where he's a lot looser. He plays to the crowd. He interacts with the referee. Like, he, he has this spot. So I was like, oh, okay, it's one of these. But... The twist here was that Brody King defeated him. Brody King clobbers him with some Larians and then hits that razor's edge pile driver that he does, which is nuts. And he wins. So that was at least was a little surprising and a big win for uh for Brody King. Because Suzuki hasn't lost much on his um uh, on his US tour. Really hasn't. Speedball, Mike Bailey, Chris Dickinson. I think that's it. I don't think he's lost really to anyone else. I could be forgetting something. If anyone wants to check and correct me, more than welcome. Antoine Mac, nice to see you. Welcome to the chat. Then we got the match, the match of the match of the fucking night, match of the weekend. Tomohiro Ishii defeated Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston wanted this match. He got it. He said he was going to go, he said, look, this match, this, this, this was the time, this was a match where both guys decided to walk the King's road here. They wasted no time going strong style on each other with the chops, shoulder blocks, Kingston goes, goes down first, more strikes, uh, um, uh, more strikes on both guys, uh, a Saito suplex by Ishii and a Plano suplex as well open palm strike battle between them both they're just like slapping the absolute hell out of each other belly to back suplex by Kingston Ishii pops up to his leg uh, up onto his feet he hits a german suplex they're down there's a uh, at some point there's a razor thin 2.9 where everyone in the audience thought that was the match kingston leaned into it it was fantastic jumping high kick by Ishii A DDT by Eddie Kingston, but Ishii pops up, sliding Lariat with for another close 2.9. We get a backfist party between them both and a brain buster by Ishii to put Kingston away. What a fucking fight this was. Great, great stuff. Match of the night. I did not see a better match. That weekend. Anywhere. Kingston delivered. Ishii. Ishii was like, yeah, bro, let's do this. And then after the match, Kingston's tweeting out on that he's disappointed in himself that he lost. So and so forth. You know, it's, it's like, fuck, this is good. It's good shit. I keep telling you guys. And it's not even me who came up with it. I think it. Eddie Kingston's the modern day Dusty Rhodes. He's the modern day Dusty Rhodes. He's a guy. He, he doesn't look like a pro wrestler. He doesn't have the physique. but he can talk his way into anything and out of anything. And he's got that that relatable, hard, uh, hard on your sleeve. Emptying my guts out in the ring every time I wrestle. You know that passion, that that thing that you cannot taught, that you cannot teach people. Right. That made Dusty so special. You know. That's what Eddie has. And on top of that, like Eddie is, as much as Dusty was a product of his time, Eddie is a product of his time. Hard life, you know, uh, gang related shit, mental health issues. Like everything that defines 21st century living, right? Extremely relatable guy he is. Working hard, finally getting the big shot. Best promo in the biz, as DGMC says. Big surprise then, following that, Leo Rush shows up. And like, oh, here he comes. He's going to cut it. He's not in gear. He's out to cut a promo. He's going to call out, uh, you know, a few folks. And he does call out some people. But he calls out the New Japan Junior Division. The Junior Heavyweights. He's not calling out you know, uh, uh, the DKC, or Fred Rosser, you know, the guys from the strong brand. He's calling out, by name, Taiji Shimori. He's calling out uh, uh, Hiromu Takahashi. He's calling out the big boys from the junior division. So I'm sitting there and I'm going, and he says, look, I'm not medically cleared yet. When I do, I'm putting that division on notice. So all signs point to Leo Rush hitting the bricks for a tour of Japan and you know what i'm okay with that we are we're better off in a wrestling environment where um where uh uh uh, uh, uh Leo Rush is wrestling quote The Bullet Club team of Jay White and Hickle defeated the Chaos duo of Kazuchika Okada and Rocky Romero, who was replacing Trent Beretta, who had tested positive for the big Rona, um, and, uh, I, I really, I thought this was a fine match that got better towards the final third, uh, final third of the match was absolutely fantastic stuff, um, there's uh uh basically look this is what this match served right we're getting we're getting Jay White versus Kazuchika Okada at Dominion in a couple of weeks right now my prediction I'm throwing this out there I'll probably do a prediction for 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 Dominion a little thingy but my prediction is Jay White is taking the belt off of Kazuchika Okada. Kazuchika Okada is going to lose the belt at Dominion. Dominion's a big show. Dominion is systematically a big show. Historically, huge things happen there. White takes the title, and do you know why? I'm going to give you three seconds to tell me why New Japan Pro Wrestling would take the belt off of the Golden Boy, Kazuchika Okada. Why do you think they take it off Kazuchika Okada? Well, I'll tell you because they want Kazuchiko Okada to be title free for Forbidden Door. Now, why would you want Kazuchiko Okada to be title free for Forbidden Door? Because there is only one match that there's one match that you can make for Forbidden Door. That is the biggest match you could put on. And that is Kazuchiko Okada versus CM Punk. My heart says, man, I wish we could get Brian Danielson and Kazuchika Okada. But you know what? As far as pure, unadulterated star power, there is no bigger match than Kazuchika Okada versus uh, a, a CM Punk. There really is nothing bigger. So I even go as far as to say, and here's a spoiler for my uh, for my Double or Nothing predictions, which I'll be recording this weekend um here's the here's the big spoiler I don't think Adam Page is is losing the title at double or nothing I think he retains because you don't want titles muddying the waters for a CM Punk Kazuchika Okada match because neither company will want their champion to job to the other guy if they both walk in with titles I promise you they're going 60 minutes Otherwise, there's no way. There's no way that Tony Khan and Ghetto can sit down and and like have a nice little cup of tea or whatever and and, and agree on, oh yeah, my guy will do it. No. Free the titles and give this one match, make it happen. Free of time. And, and you can say to yourself, Warren, there's no point in putting on this big match. The arena is sold out. Yes, but what about the pay-per-views? I am pretty sure that Tony Khan would want double or nothing, a double or nothing buy rate for pay-per-views. Not a double or nothing, excuse me, an All Out 2021 level uh, of 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 pay-per-view buys. Two hundred thousand is what they did for All Out 2021. Far surpassing anything else they've done before that. And I think that if, I think if Forbidden Door does under 200k, I think it's a disappointment. So what do you do then to get people to buy your show? You put two of the biggest names, attractions, wrestlers who can still go. You put them in there as your main event. This is the match everyone wants to see. Okada, CM Punk. Two defining individuals on either continent for the sport. There's no one bigger in New Japan. There's And arguably, there's no one bigger than CM Punk in, in, in AEW. That's the match you go for. Danielson... You give him, you give him Zack Sabre Jr., which I'm convinced is a dream match for, for old Zack, although he'll never admit it. You give him that match. Have Danielson, you know, twist him into pretzels. That's a hell of a fun match right there. Moxley, you give him Naito. Hell, you know what? Give him Will Ospreay again. Because, uh, look, uh, I'm going, going every. Look. <laughs> Here's the thing, Okada, the the tag match, this is what, it set the stage for Jay White versus Okada in Dominion. That's what it was for. Um, And, you know, the final third of this match was really good because they were doing all sorts of reversals in and out. Uh, Jay White eventually gets the win, uh, reversing a a sliced bread number two attempt by Rocky Romero into the Blade Runner, which was really cool. Um, So the Blood Club won. And then after the match, Tongaloa came out because after the match, the heels beat up uh, Okada and uh, and uh, Jay White sort of told Hikaleo, go on, go, have at him, you know, beat him up, kick his ass, Junior. Then Tonga Loa ran out to sort of keep his, he's related, Hikaleo's his brother, his little brother. And he told him, don't do it, don't do it, you know, you don't turn your back on family. But Hikaleo in the Bullet Club Wars has sided with Jay White as opposed to Tangaloa, right, who's defected uh, from uh, from, well, defected. They were never, never kicked out, if we're being honest. Um, you know, all that stuff. Uh, so that happened at the end. But I was talking about Will Osprey and John Moxley because of the main event where Juice Robinson defeated John Moxley, Will Osprey, and Hiroshi Tanahashi to become the new IWGP United States Heavyweight Champion in a in a fun match there's no other way to put it it was a fun match and my main takeaway in my notes right here is that John Moxley and Will Ospreay have a ridiculous amount of chemistry wrestling each other it's absurd it's really really ridiculous now I know the match that you know Moxley's been talking about is like Tanahashi you've been ducking me you know that he's been doing that for a few months right you've been ducking me you're the only guy who has you know who, yeah, who hasn't faced me one on one you know so on and so forth. I, Eugene I've went through Ishii, I've went through but you've been ducking me, you son of a bitch. So I think that's what they're going to angle towards Forbidden Door, right? Give us the one on one, the singles match, Tanahashi, John Moxley, which is fine. Like the star power there is normal, you know. Tanahashi is still a top guy in the company. John Moxley's a top guy. Go for it. But I think we'd get another... We'd get a better match out of John Moxley, Will Ospreay 2. Because their match they had a couple of months ago was absolutely electric. Like a match of the year candidate. And in this match here, again, they're just clicking. And I'm like, look at the chemistry with these two dudes. It's amazing. Lots of great... Lot, a really good match. Lots of great spots where... Especially... The brutal, brutal high fi flow, high fly flow that Tanahashi did off the top rope to the floor onto John, John Moxley, who was on a Japan a Japanese style table, just went collapse. Hell of a bump. Tanahashi's still doing that shit. It's ridiculous. It's crazy, man, but it's great. Just great stuff. Fun main event. Um, fantastic match in Ishii versus Kingston. I suggest you go check that out. Good show. Good show overall. It's Best of Super Junior Season. And I am going to talk about the matches that happened for the past four nights. We're four nights in. Of the best of the Super Juniors 29. No Max the Max theme on this one. Um, (laughs) which is a shame. Um... So we're getting into it. I will preface this by saying I uh I have not watched uh night 4 yet. I'm behind by what happened today essentially. Uh so I mean I have the results but I haven't seen the matches so it's hard for me to 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 really speak on it. Uh but um as it stands right now nights 1 and 2 uh the initial matches for the for the for the the, the blocks for both blocks felt like um, you know, like the welcome mat, where 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 we're throwing down, where we're throwing down presentations. Here, let us introduce you to uh, Ace Austin and to Clark Connors and to Ale- Alex Zane and Francesco Akira and uh, 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 El Linderman and um, Wheeler Yuda. You know, to the Japanese crowd. We're, these are all these people that are coming in to, to fight in this tournament. So it feels very much like everyone is sort of feeling stuff out, introducing themselves, we're getting to know you, and the the work is solid, these are easy listens, you know, fun, a couple of hours of wrestling, you know, the matches are fairly short, 10, 15 minutes, you know, the longest match happened uh, today, I think, uh, yesterday, no, it was the, uh, the Hiromu Akira match, um, that was uh, just over 17 minutes, so, you know, like, easily digestible, fun, matches but nothing is like standing out where you're like oh this is remarkable you know no one is having like the run so far but we're we're four matches in four nights in and i feel like look if you're setting the table like it, it let's compare this to sitting down to have dinner at someone's right if you're setting the table as your guests arrive you're like eh, here's the fine china look at these these lovely glasses that we have this is the good silverware and you give it a polish you know it's like at some point you know you sort of have to start serving the food yeah, Because people are getting hungry you're like okay well, let's go let's it, 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 it's time to eat <laughs> you know let's get moving this is where this is where i feel I'm at right now, I didn't watch night four, but, you know, I read a couple of reports, and again, I don't feel like anything is really, you know, outstanding yet, I feel like, we have to start moving into, all right. now this is awesome, right, now we're getting the big matches, because look, right now, I would say, match of the tournament so far, is El Desperado versus Titan, on night two, May 17, the main event, great stuff, Absolutely fantastic with uh El Desperado just being a dick. I love it. I, I thought it was great. Titan is Titan has gotten so much better. He's polished himself off so fantastically. Great uh great showing so far by um great showing so far by just about everyone, right? Everyone's doing really good. But this match in particular was very, very good. I also really like the um I also really liked uh, 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 um, uh, uh, Hiromu versus uh, Francisco Akira, which is a match I was looking forward to. I thought that was very good too. But again, like nothing, we haven't had that moment yet. We haven't had like this pivotal match of the best of super juniors where, you're like, okay, this is why these guys are the best in the world. But if, you know, everyone's working to expectations, I guess. We just need to exceed them, right? This is what makes it interesting. It's a tournament. That's what makes it fun. That's what makes it... That's what gets people excited and invested in it is all of a sudden when you start getting big, big, um, big, big matches. They haven't landed yet. Not just yet, but, you know, we we will get there. Um, Standing so far in the tournament, on A block, we've got Ace Austin... Hiromu Takahashi, Alex Zane, and Taiji Shimori, the current IWGP junior heavyweight champion, all tied uh, for four with four points. Francesco Akira and Yo with two points apiece. And Sho Kanamoro Taguchi and Clark Connors all with donuts. On Block B's side, we have El Fantasmo and Desperado uh, who uh, are tied for four points. Dookie, Robert Eagles, TjP, Wheeler Yuda, l l and Bushi all have two points with Master Watto and Titan, rounding up with the bottom with uh, zero. So um so if you uh, if you listened to my uh, to my uh, uh, prediction show, best of super Genius prediction show that I did with uh, Evan Wright from the Mr. Warren Hayes discord, uh, you will remember that I said, you know what, there's going, you know, there's. Uh, I, I was predicting exactly this, where you would have one block where you'd have a bunch of guys at the top, sort of wrangling for the top spot, and another block where you just have two dudes who are going to start pulling away from the pack. As it stands right now, I predicted correctly, except that the blocks are inverted. I predicted, uh, right now, Block A has four guys at four points, whereas Block B, you have two guys with four points. Of course, it's very early still, but I think that we're setting some seeds here. And I know a lot of people got disappointed when Wheeler Yuta lost his first match, but to me, that's a good sign. It, to me, that's a good sign because uh, the way Ghetto books his tournaments... Usually, the guys who come out the gate starting to lose have better showings as we start getting towards the end. You know, Yo last year was exactly that. Losing, started off uh, losing efforts. Everyone was already discounting him. And then all of a sudden, poof, he just put the pedal to the metal. Next thing you know, uh, he's uh, he's a block contender. He's winning all his matches. So you're like, oh, okay. So I, don't discount our boy Wheeler Yuta just yet, who had a a, a very fine match with uh, Robbie Eagles, to whom he lost. No shame in losing to Robbie Eagles either. Robbie Eagles is one of the is one of the cornerstones of the division as well. However, he went and lost to Bushi. So who mm-hmm. knows? Who the fuck knows what's going to happen in this tournament? We're just we're going to wrap this up as we usually do on the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. With the AEW Dynamite review, we are talking about Wild Card Wednesday. That started off with the Owen Hart Foundation men's tournament final first round match. Men's tournament first round match, there's no finals. What am I talking about? Where Samoa Joe defeated his wild card, his joker, Johnny Elite, John Morrison. I still, yes, yes, I absolutely, absolutely saw the official AEW account tweeting the video of John Morrison's return and referencing Johnny Gargano instead. Doing the at Johnny Gargano. And I'm like, that's embarrassing. Because that's kind of a, it's the better Johnny. I look, John Morrison is fine. Here's the, look, it's, this, this did nothing for me. I was like, oh, well, outside of me just going, good for him. Get the, you know, get a bag. That's fine. Get a paycheck. Get on TV. You know how this works. But, you know, it turns out, you know, I want more, I want more blood sport John Morrison than parkour John Morrison, you know? More Johnny Bloods Bloodsport, less Johnny Parkour, because the and the, Jr even used the parkour word. Oh, it's all that parkour training, and I'm like, no, I don't. Stop it! It doesn't make it cool. It doesn't make it cool. It it. It doesn't make it cool and it doesn't excuse the fact that when he starts doing this you know his brand of flippy nonsense i guess the the parkour stuff it fucks up most of the time like it like on the 450 splash that he did where he he completely came short on Samoa Joe and the way he landed he sort of boop he landed like on his tippy toes and he was able to just sort of shove him shove himself forward a little more because he missed he missed the 450. Starship Pain is is a, it you know it it it's a dice roll every time. Is he gonna hit it or not? I still don't know why he uses it. Anyway, I, you know, there there, there was a there was a moment where he did a, a sort of a pick and roll, you know, where he rolled to pick Joe's leg and he got it into a, 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 a got Joe off uh, got Joe off his his feet, flat on his face into a a, a a leg lock of sorts, or, 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 or I, I think it was more like an ankle lock. Sorry for, it, it, it's a little blurry right now. But I do remember like the pick and roll movement. I was like, see, this is cool. This is what Morrison should be doing more of because it actually looked really good. Joe was being Joe. Joe was being himself. You know, I love the energy he brought to this fight. Like the energy, right? felt like, almost shoot-like, you know, where he was going just kicking, being violence, muscle buster. After the match, Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt, and uh, Sat Nam Singh. Who? They all come out, steel pipe. They beat Joe down. And then uh, the best friends make the save. What happened to John, uh, not John, but Joe, with Joe's crew being Jonathan Gresham and Lee Moriarty? Right? That's how that's how Supercard of Honor ended, right? All looking out for each other. The past, the present, the future. Ring of Honor kind of thing. I mean, I don't want to be that guy. But. Where the fuck is Lee uh, Lee Moriarty on this television program called AEW Dynamite? Yeah, he's been on a couple of times on a couple of rampages too, but like, where's, one of the fucking most talented wrestlers out there? Natural charisma, he's got all the intangibles. What are you doing? All this is mysteries to me, man. I don't get it. I honestly don't. It was all right, the match was fine. It was short enough to not be offensive, but... Just enough for me to say, look, John Morrison, uh, it's fine. Uh, We can absolutely move on from John Morrison. And it felt like a one-off. I think it's a one-off. We don't even have to talk about this ever again. Backstage, we get uh, the Bucks and the Hardys who are teasing about uh, the main event later in the match, whatever. (sighs) Then we get Adam Page taking on Konosuke Konosuke Takashi... Takashida, because I wanted to say Takashida and there's a Takashida. Konesuke Takashida, a really strong match. Really, really strong match on this one. And Adam Page, again, having another strong wrestling match. I don't know what. I honestly don't understand what people don't see in this title run. Is it because. Look. I think the only reason and this the, this is a fair argument to make. I think the only reason why anyone could be like, well, I'm a little low on Adam Page and his I think the only reason why is because MJF's programs have eclipsed the the the, the world heavyweight title picture. The thing with CM Punk now with Wardlow I, 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 because objectively, I said this last, I think it was last week, I'll say it again. Adam Page has defeated, excuse me, well, hey, here, let's start over. He defeated Kenny Omega, super, number one wrestler superstar of 2021. He defeated him to get the title. He went the distance, distance with Brian Danielson. He defeated Brian Danielson. He defeated lance archer in a in a no dq match he defeated adam cole not once but twice and now he's going off fighting cm punk i don't know what how is that not an impressive resume and you know what all the matches delivered and maybe the rampage one was yeah. all of his matches are good all of his matches are good good to great and this was great And Takashita, man, I don't know how long AEW have him. I can you steal him from DDT? Can he stay? Because this guy rules. Paige early on hits the sack of shit. And the Orihara moonsault. Takashita with the blue thunder bomb and a great Topik on Hilo. They trade Germans and a tombstone by Paige. And it hurts tak- Takashita's neck, right? That was the thing. This is the story here. And by the way, can we stop? Can we stop? I can't believe people now kick out of tombstones. Like, everything, everything moves on. I remember when a superplex was a finisher. Funny, I don't see anyone complaining about superplexes putting not putting people away anymore. DDTs used to be finishers. Mm-hmm. Very much a transitional move these days. For a long time, people become super kicks aren't finishers anymore. Uh, DDT, not DDTs. What's the other one? The, uh, look, and now I'm seeing. I can't believe people took kick out of tombstones. Fucking Kazuchika Okada uses a tombstone as a transitional move to his finisher. And now he's even stopped using the tombstone. He's using a slam now. Come on. Everything evolves. Everything changes. Takashi hits a last ride. Speaking of Undertaker's moves, he hits a last ride and uh, a running knee strike he goes for the. He hits a German. Holds the bridge, but he can't keep it up because it's pressing on his neck. That he hurt. They that, that Page hurt because of the tombstone. He goes for a flying lariat, but it's anti aired by Adam Page with a huge forearm. Just a great move. They do. They go up on the top rope. There's like a top rope lariat situation where I guess Page was supposed to stick the landing. He didn't. Not a big deal. He hits the buckshot lariat, which CM Punk used last week, and he was on commentary and he was telling us he's calling it the punk shot tar- lariat. But he doesn't end there. He ends the match with a GTS. And Paige's like, I love it, I love it. Imitation is the most sincerest farm of flower, right. After the match, Punk and Paige confront each other. They're standing aside from each other. They're working the crowd. <clears throat> and do you know why they did this? Because Tony Khan wanted to test the crowd reactions. No promos, nothing. It's like just raise your arms. Let's see what kind of reactions we get. CM Punk getting the the the, the bigger crowd reactions. Of course, because it's fucking CM Punk. But this was interesting. Anyway, they don't touch each other and Paige walks off. He storms off and you can look. I think one of the best parts of this story between Adam Page and CM Punk is that neither guy is, excuse me, is that Adam Page is pissed off that CM Punk is in his territory, that this guy's coming in and taking his spot, taking his pops, taking his cheers doesn't mean he's going heel, but he's like, I have something to prove here. Fired up baby face champion any day of the week. Give me those. I, I honestly, I love the build to this match. I do not know what problems people have with the page, uh with, with the page championship run. I think he's going to be, he might even be the first Sec, the first two-time AW champion. I think there's another championship run in him. This one here is good. Fuego del Sol still wants to fight the House of Black because he's nuts, and he's uh, enlisted the Dark Order to help him. There you go. <clears throat> we got to get this. We got. We have to get this trio stuff on the way. We really do. And uh, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland uh, get an enhancement match against the Workhorsemen, Anthony Henry and J.D. Drake. Folks, 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 folks. If you ever want to be crazy entertained with a wrestling match, seek out anything the Work Horsemen do on the indies. They're just a fantastic tag team. But back to AEW. Um, you know good stuff uh you know Keith Lee does his springboard uh his slingshot uh body press uh the the pounds they do their double team stomp thing it's fine enhancement after the match uh Keith Lee gets on the mic and he says now we are a we're a top five ranked tag team then Ricky Starks and and powerhouse Hobbs come out Starks gets on the mic and he says that that's enough Talkin' and Lee and Strickland are two of the most selfish jabronis. And Starks is not missing a beat on this one. He didn't breathe throughout this promo. He just delivered, delivered, delivered. And it was hard to not draw comparisons to the Rock's work, early work, especially especially when, when he dropped the word jabroni. You sort of looked at him, you looked at the, you know, the look, you know, the, the, the little skinny glasses and the, you know, like, mm. Swerve calls him a bar of soap with a pearl necklace, then Dino210 come out with Christian Cage. Then Cage gets on the mic and he has some very lame burns, but uh, he, apparently he's a matchmaker in AEW now because now he's challenging both of the titles for another three-way at double or nothing. Uh, for the tag titles. We had one at Revolution, now we're getting another triple threat here. What happened to this... I'm going to have to put some thought into it, but what has happened to AEW being the land of the tag teams? It There's something weird. It doesn't feel as special. We're getting single guys being thrown together in tag teams again, and they're getting titles... Sh- like, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Why isn't FTR continuing to get this 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 push off of all the momentum that they generated after winning uh, after winning the Ring of Honor titles, then defending them against the bucks on TV then uh, 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 the the, the um, uh, Dax Harwood's uh, tournament matches like FTR has momentum and people like them. they're over. I don't know. It's a little weird. Chris Statlander and Red Velvet uh are interviewed in a backstage segment. Jade comes in, they're hyping up a match, uh their their Owens um their their Owens match uh on, on Rampage, and this was very awkward. <laughs> very awkward. Um Then we get to the lashing. Get the lat MJF Spears are in the ring. They're ready to. They're ready to. They're ready to lash the hell out of Wardlow, who's accompanied by the security dweebs. Get into the ring. MJF fires off fires off the shots, and Wardlow is just, he's just standing there, and he's no selling them, and he's no selling them with the the most smug expressions like. And he's smiling, and we're all a little turned on, and and it's and you're like Cody bent to his knees during this program during this very same segment, and now Wardlow is sort of like <laughs> Wardlow is the beast. I don't think like I've heard things where it's like, is this a message? I mean, no, 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 no. I don't think it's a message. I think this is continuing to establish. Wardlow as an absolute monster because former top AEW top star Cody Rhodes could not sustain the pain of these 10 lashes. This guy can. Oh shit. I don't think I don't think there's anything more insidious than that. I wouldn't I but look, I'm I'm not sitting. I don't have the pencil. I don't have the book. I don't know what's going on. This ruled MJF is so mad, he starts slapping him four, five, six, seven times with, you know, with disregard. Hands the strap to Spears. Spears gives him two more. He gets one last one where Wardlow's like, one more motherfucker kind of thing. Then the last one, he winds up and he gives him a low blow. And they lash him over and over again while Wardlow is on the mat. MJF gets the dynamite diamond ring. Boom! Clocks him one across the mouth. Sean Spears hits the C4. Gets the visual pin. Before we head into the cage match next week. Friends. This is a perfectly, perfectly executed wrestling angle. From top to bottom. There has not been a single misstep. In this one. This. Was perfect. Because. It established Wardlow. As. The toughest of tough guys. And then on top of that. Dastardly heel MJF. Set up the visual for the C4 thing. Like. These guys. Will stop at nothing. To keep Wardlow. From. Getting the match a double or nothing. This is where we're at. Just. You know, it's easy to overbook, to overcomplicate wrestling angles. It really is. This took a lot of control. You know, it's it's very basic, but you've got such talented elements in here. And it's so, it's just making it so, so good. But you know what? I'm going to set this, I'm going to put this out there into the world. It is so good, in fact, so fucking good that I'm afraid of what's going to happen to Wardlow after double or nothing. I'm worried as to what's how 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 well will he be booked moving forward with double or nothing? After double or nothing. After he beats MJF. Whoop, spoiler. You know? because that's going to be the real test, because right now, this is coasting on an angle that started, when was when was Lord Wardlow added to the roster, 2020, late 2019, 2020, it's been set, this is an angle that's been simmering, preparing since then, now we're getting to this point here, Where it's just amazing. Because the components are are all amazing. Everyone's pulling their weight. Everyone's doing what's expected. And it's not going too far. It's not going overboard. We're sticking to essentials. We're creating moments. This rules. This rules. So, so far on this match. On this card. We got a fantastic match with your world champion. And we got the lashing angle, which was also fantastic. The rest was too short. Maybe not great. Or fine. But where it matters, it matters. And it's great. rapongi Vice are backstage. They cut a promo. Then we move on to the Heart, Owen Hart Foundation men's tournament first round match. Kylo Riley defeated Ray Phoenix or Ray Phoenix. Or Ray Fedex, as Matt Ritter would say. And again, we're treated to another great match. Great striking early on, an early dive from Phoenix. Kyle O'Reilly works the limbs, the arm, a, a knee, like he's trying to take apart Phoenix's offense, which we see. Phoenix puts it over. He tries to do offense, but he can't. He can't do the hook kick. Because his his leg his knee hurts, he can't do the tiger fan kick because his arm hurts. He does a roll a rana into a roll up, which was fantastic. Kyle O'Reilly pulling out rolling butterfly suplexes, and I'm like Jesus, this rules! Strikes and kicks, the guys are dead. They're beating the shit out of each other. Phoenix hits a rope walk rana off the apron to the floor. Got me out of my seat. And Kyle O'Reilly catches him doing a cutter into an arm bar. Phoenix resists. He can't do it. Kyle O'Reilly locks it in. Gets the win. Great fight. Great match. So far on this show, the things that matter fucking matter. All great stuff. Then we get the Jericho Appreciation Society promo. Um, I'm not going to... Look, I'm not going to walk through all the thing. Because you know what? And longtime listeners know how, you know, this kind of shit sort of bothers me. It depends, you know, how things like, you know, real-life addictions and, uh, you know, alcohol abuse, drug abuse. When... You know, it's an all too real problem in wrestling that has plagued wrestling for decades. Still does today. And, but especially very uncontrolled in an era where I was really into it. Not that I'm not really into it today, but you know, when I, when I was younger, uh, especially in the 90s. Um, the number of wrestlers that we've lost before uh, before their time because of substance abuse, because of prescription, uh, drug abuse, so on and so forth, is astronomical and uh, and tragic. You know, Kurt Hennig, uh, Eddie Guerrero, um, um, so on and so forth. I'm just, uh, don't want to get too emotional here. But um, we, whenever these things get called into angles, you know, references to real life. I always feel we have to tread very lightly because I don't think these are things necessarily to play with because, look, Mind of an Addict is very different from someone who has never suffered from that type of uh, ailment. And uh, we don't think the same way for many, for multiple reasons. So, you know, as I'm convinced that no one in the ring objected to Chris Jericho bringing up you know uh uh, um William Regal's past or um John Moxley's recent rehab uh, stint in rehab I'm sure none of them really had an issue with that there's sometimes I'm like you know what there's other ways to get heat than just always dredging in the harsh reality right there's other ways to do it there really really is other ways uh to pull it off and um and I feel like there's been there's been a ra- there's been a rash of that recently, and I think we could scale back on that. I think we don't need to reference all of that anymore. And I think Jericho, I think Jericho can generate better heat, or it can generate heat without necessarily having to really punch home the fact that you know what, William Regal, you were a fucking mess and you were a drunk, and I'm surprised you're still alive. We all are, and you know it's it is shitty to call it out like that, but. I don't know. Like I said, I you have to tread lightly in these in these circumstances. Because I don't think it's I, I don't particularly enjoy it. And I think last night on Dynamite, I think it was, uh, I think I, I think Jericho leaned too hardly into it, too much into it. Because then you get to, because even on a on a purely dramatic sense, like dramatic writing, you're bringing up William Regal's past and you know the, all the shit that he put himself through, and, and then John Moxley with his uh, with his re, st- stunt in rehab, and then you turn to and, and you know it's very dramatic and it's very heavy, and people are going, oh shit, this is this is harsh, and you get to Daniel Bryan and the best he can do to da- Bra- excuse me to Bryan Danielson, and the best he can do to Bryan Danielson is call him a nerd. You're like, wow, really? See, there's that dissonance there too, where you're like, there's no crescendo, there's nothing here. It's sort of petered out. So, you know. Yeah, see, as Kristen says, you know, it, it someone who comes out of addiction is uh comes out of that, uh when they come out of it, it's 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 strength that brings them out of it, not weakness you know so it's 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 very strange like i can i can understand referencing it but i feel like it was leaned into a little too much so you know there's some stuff in the promo that did connect that did work right um you know especially when jericho was about to announce that we're challenging you guys to stadium stampede and jock john moxley you know who is clearly my avatar came out and said we're not doing that sports entertainment bullshit we want to fight and i'm like god god bless you john because this is why i watch pro wrestling and you know what that's fine if we never see a stadium stampede match again i am cool with that i'm i think that the first one was surprising and creative and whatever. I think the second one was like, okay, we've, we're we good here. You know, I don't think we have to run it a third time. And then the, the thing I really liked about this promo, Jericho just sprinkling some doubt between Kingston and Danielson. So, oh, look, you guys, you're on the same side, but you don't like each other. Remember, Eddie, what, uh, you remember what, Eddie, what, Danielson said about you you said that you were you know you were lazy oh yeah and you remember Danielson you remember what Kingston said that you were you know a, a judgmental prick you know and both guys sort of look at each other in the ring and the camera shots were great where Kingston and Danielson sort of look at each other and like oh you know and Danielson's like I am yeah You sure you know it's like we don't yeah, yeah we don't like each other but it created just enough dissent that when Eddie Kingston wanted to rush, bum rush the, the, the heels, Danielson was pushing him away. He's like, no, no, don't do it. And then Kingston was like, what motherfucker? And you see, look, and this is, this is the difference between will they be able to coexist where it's, you know, the WWE trope, where you just take, you know, the two people who are fighting against each other and put them in a team. These are people who actually have a history and we're calling back on that history to do like you know what you guys are in a team but you just have common enemies you might not be friends so it's more than just will they be able to coexist it's now it's interesting this is how you make this shit compelling two people who don't get agree who don't agree with each other how do you get them on the same team how do you make that dynamic work you make it work like this that's compelling that's interesting cuz it's been set up it's been referenced It's not just because X is defending their title against Y in three weeks. So we're going to put him in a tag team match because what's going to happen? Sparks are going to fly. You know, now you're like, oh, shit. Well done. Well done. Overall, I enjoyed the segment. Just, you know, I think Jericho could. I think Jericho can do better. Then we had the Owen Hart Foundation Women's Tournament match where Dr. Britt Baker defeated her joker, which was Maki Ito, who came to the ring, all in smiles, singing, doing the the pop idol uh, thing that she does. And they hug because they used to be partners. And Ito lies lies down on her back and says, yeah, pin me, Britt. This is for you. But it was a trick because she rolls her up, tries to steal a win. They have a nice little back and forth. Uh, and then uh, Baker rams Ito's head in the turnbuckles, but that just fires her up, right? And she starts ramming her head into the turnbuckles. And she headbutts Brit, Tornado DDT, a Kokeshi. But Baker hits a super kick, lockjaw. She wins, she advances. <clears throat> Fun little match. You know, character driven, Maki Ito. I know she's not for everyone. I like her. I was entertained. Fun little match. Didn't uh, didn't overstay its welcome either. They weren't trying to put on a five-star classic. But you know what? What they did do, connected. Again, more good stuff on this show where everyone, a lot of people seem to, to be like, oh, this wasn't a good episode. It's very strange to me. This might be one of the reasons why people are like, "Ah, oh, it wasn't a great episode," because I feel like from this point on, everything sort of felt a little messier. Serena Deeb interrupting Tony Schiavone, saying, "Saying you know, uh, you picked Thunder Rosa to beat me, but that's the most embarrassing. So that's the most embarrassing thing you've ever said, Tony." And then I'm like, Serena, he, he's the guy who did the butts and seats line. I think that's the most embarrassing thing he's ever said. And she... the Dustin Rhodes comes out because he's Thunder Rosa's trainer. And she calls him a failure. She calls Dustin Rhodes a failure saying, you know, that... Of all people, he should understand what she had to go through to make it in the business as a woman, and she had to have breast implants put in. She had to get her shape, her head shaved. Of course, you know they're they're referring to her. She's referring to her time in WWE, right, where she was told she was told before getting signed that she needs to get plastic surgery done if she wanted to work in the Fed, right? So she got she got a boob job. Uh, She got her head shaved, which is the Straight Edge Society thing you know they were where she picked she got picked out of the audience you know because here's the thing if i remember the story because she she told it on the um unrestricted podcast if i remember the story she said something to the effect that um she was in talks with wwe's and she was it wasn't wwe who recommended that she get some plastic surgery done but she did and like Two months later, she was hired. Something like that. Seven weeks, two months, whatever. They hired her. And she said, you know, I had to get the breast implants put in to satisfy some old perverts. And uh, she said she had to shave her head to prove how much she wanted it. And he doesn't have the balls to tell her face to face why he would pick Thunder Rosa over her. She slaps him across the face, as Thunder Rosa has come into the ring. Dustin holds her back. She drops the title. De- Deep takes the title and cracks it across Thunder Rosa's head. Now, the co- now, this is an example. If you're asking your boy, and I hope you are, because otherwise, why are you listening? <laughs> this is an example of um of the content being there. But the execution, not being there. <laughs> Everything that Serena Deeb said in in context, that the, the her story, it's great. It's great, you know. She's trying to get across the hoops that she, as a woman coming up in the 2000s, had to jump through just to get a job in wrestling as a wrestler to be taken seriously, right? That's what she's trying to convey. But she's not She's not great on the mic. And that's what it all just boils down to. I'm not talking about the, the substance, the content. What she had to convey was compelling, but she did not deliver it in a compelling way. She didn't make us care. She didn't make us feel. There was no reaction. And I I question especially after the promo off that she and, and Thunder Rosa had a couple of weeks ago. I wonder why anyone thought, let's give Serena the mic again, because that wasn't great. Why would you double down on it? Why did Serena Deep get over in the first place? And this is this is where I think that AEW is guilty of trying to overthink their booking here. Why did Serena Deep get over in the first place? being a mean dastardly heel beating up crowd favorite Hikaru Shida using dastardly ways, but also being a fucking good wrestler in the meantime and then doing the Serena Deep challenges that's how she got over as a heel by just beating the shit out of people and being good at it right so why isn't she doing that in her lead up to her match with Thunder Rosa because there's nothing in this promo that she did tonight, last night, excuse me, that really ignited anything more in this feud. There's nothing that, was, there's nothing that went forward. I'm sort of like, I, if anything, it's cooled me off a little bit. I'm like, all right. If I didn't know that both of these women could wrestle up a storm, I'd be like, well... I don't know. I wouldn't know what to expect. Wouldn't be excited about their match. I'm still excited about the match. But it doesn't feel hot. Have Deeb come out, beat up some more jabrones. Bring in Willow again, you know? Have Have her kick the shit out of a smiling, happy, you know, instant connection baby face like Willow Nightingale. Have beat the shit out of her. Thunder Rosa has to come to save her at the end. You know, kind of thing. Serena Deeb works if Serena Deeb is wrestling. Serena Deeb does not work on the mic. She really doesn't. I was watching this with Kristen last night. I was like, you know what? She kind of reminds me of Brett. But Brett got better on the mic. Brett was... Brett really did get better on the microphone. She was... I don't know was it nerves she's clearly not in her element so weird weird instance here of aew i find overthinking the booking here a lot and you know what i love thunder rosa i love her to death but i think she's she's in the same boat i think she gets over when she wrestles i think that's her these these are wrestlers and 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 in the build up to this match they are not wrestling they could easily do new japan style tag team matches you know where the champion and the challenger are in the you know are in uh, are in the ring you know and you have two other allies that that are in there and two people that can eat a pin that that works these are all things that can work Yeah, what if she did? What if she had beat up Dustin, right? What if she had just low blowed him? The next thing you know, wraps him in a serenity lock, and you're like, "Holy shit! This is something we'd be talking about today." I mean, like, did you see? Did you see that? Now it's like, uh? It's weird because I most of the time I feel AEW is a company that plays to their wrestler's strengths now i feel like they're trying they're trying to make their wrestlers do things that they're not comfortable in doing right like kind of like wwe when they say when they try to get ricochet to cut promos don't ricochet never got over on his promo work and that's not why he got over in the first place because he's a badass wrestler a genius but uh, he cuts promos he sinks don't have him cut promos in the first place. And then the main event, Owen Hart Foundation Men's Tournament semi-final match. Adam Cole defeated Jeff Hardy. He moves on. Um, And this was rushed, okay? And, and I, I don't know exactly what happened when. I don't know exactly what happened when. But if we are eight minutes... To the end of the show. Like if it's te- it's 9:52 p.m. Eastern Time we're 8 minutes in, the match starts and we get a commercial break in those 8 minutes something happened on the show. Something was mistimed. If you had one more ad spot that you had to throw in there, something happened on that show and we had to rush the main event. Now, that being said, I think the fact that we had to rush through the bash Protected Jeff Hardy. I think it was fine. Adam Cole won. I think it's the right guy who did win. And the match was, the match was doubly rushed because they had a big um, uh, Nitro-esque beat down um, uh, uh, angle to finish it off where the elite come out to beat up on the Hardys. And, um, you know, it's like, all right and you know what I like I like the uh, this is I really really like uh, AEW Dynamites that finish on this chaos and commentary is like you know oh it's chaos it's bedlam and then (whistles) camera cuts it really does remind me of old Nitros that would finish and you'd have Tony Schiavone you know going like you know it's like there's people everywhere chaos what's gonna happen next week and then you know everything just like goes black i love it i like that kind of stuff i like i I like the ending i think the fact that since everything was rushed at the end i think it benefited the match i don't think a 15 minute jeff hardy match is anything i wanted to see uh adam cole won right guy going forward now the big discussion right now is who is going to face Adam Cole at Double or Nothing? Is it going to be Kyle O'Reilly or is it going to be Samoa Joe? If you ask me, and I know a lot of people are like, Kyle O'Reilly, Kyle O'Reilly. I think it's Samoa Joe. I think it's Samoa Joe. I don't think you do. Because here's the thing. Everyone is like, oh, they're in the stablemates. Dissension, dissension. They set the seeds to keep this elite group together to have a f- probably some kind of fight with the Bullet Club for Forbidden Door. That's why they that's why they they smoothed over the Red Dragon Young Bucks tensions, right? They're not going to create more tensions when they actually went out of their way to smooth things over, so that this would actually feel like a unit, so that once we get to uh uh, uh Forbidden Door. They could have a proper feud with Bullet Club members. I'm convinced that's where they're going. So we're not getting, I'm sure that we're not getting Adam Cole and Kyle Riley at the pay-per-view. Besides, Samoa Joe's the bigger star. Samoa Joe is the guy that more people want to see wrestle, in my opinion. He's a bigger star. Adam Cole and Samoa Joe, my official call for the end of the Um, men's Owens match tournament. What am I talking about? There you have it, folks. So look, I thought this was a good dynamite. And I think it's just, I think the things that didn't connect were a little more glaring and people, of course, decided to fixate on that. They just fixate on Serena Deeb can't talk. Uh, Chris Jericho uh, what the hell was that uh, I think uh, you know uh, 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 William Regal he, he looked confused at some point you know we're gonna focus on that oh they thought they promised us Johnny Gargano and we got Johnny they never promised anything but it's a Johnny Elite we thought it was Johnny Gargano they're gonna everyone's gonna focus on that when in reality you look at this card and you we had three great matches Page Takashita, uh, Phoenix, Kyle O'Reilly. And uh, what's the other one? What's the other one I'm thinking about? Oh, those two great... Ma- no, that's it. We had two, <laughs> two great matches and the lashing, which was a fantastic angle. Britain Maki. Maki, great surprise, as opposed to maybe Morrison. Like, I think people are just focusing on the smaller things, whereas the big things that we got some fantastic wrestling and some good old fashioned angles here. Yeah. And DJMC punches in his picks for the uh for the tournament before we wrap up the the for the week. He says my final picks, Cole over Joe, Statlander over DMD over Britt Baker. That's interesting cuz I think I think Statlander's losing. Because Statlander's going to be she she's next in line for Jade. That's and I think and I think she's losing because of that. I think she's still she's beating Red Velvet, but I don't think she's winning the tournament. But interesting. We'll wrap up the weekly wrestling inspection on that. No, why not? Woo folks. Thank you so much for coming out tonight. I'm gonna I'm just looking really quickly at the stats. This is gonna one of the there was so many people earlier on when I was talking about Sasha Banks, no big shock there, but tons of people showed up tonight. I really appreciate it. Thank you to all the regulars, of course, who come out every week. You know, like you guys are the they're the foundations. You're the you're the the you're the pillars, the 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 four, five, six, seven, eight pillars, whatever of of the Mr. Warren Hayeshow. Thank you all, everyone, for, for showing up tonight. I really, really do appreciate it. Um, as I said, over this weekend, I'm going to be recording my Double or Nothing predictions, uh, even though not all the card has been set up yet. You know, I think there's a couple of very, very clear paths that are being head down. And I'm going to be joined by Jeff Hawkins. Uh, it's going to be old-timey, old-timey, old-family reunion time, as uh, he and I go over Double or Nothing with our predictions previews and whatnot so that'll be exciting if you're here for the first time consider a subscription hope you enjoyed it hope I worked for your subscription that would be awesome leave a like on the video uh leave a comment if you're watching the video on demand drop a comment let me know what you let me know what your double or nothing predictions are boom there's a topic for you and I promise I'll I'll get back to you we'll chat about it uh I think I've talked enough tonight I think I've said enough Let's head on over that. uh, Let's just uh, let's just head on down that dusty trail then. Thank you all very much. Once again, have a great weekend, everyone. See you next time.